You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 42. And you know, ladies, there are a few things in life that I really geek out about, but one of the things that is on the top of my list is great skincare, because I have been taking great care of my skin since I was really young, and I just love learning about it. And today we have a phenomenal skincare expert. My guest today is Renee Serbonne. She's a chronotherapy expert. She's an industry educator and speaker. She gives skincare professionals a true point of difference in the industry. How, you may ask? By handing them the ultimate drawing card, knowledge about the skin wrapped in savvy business strategy. Her keynotes and in-depth trainings educate on skin anatomy, physiology, and how to match cosmetic chemistry to specific skin conditions, helping clinic owners and solo estheticians to blow the roof off their in-clinic results and business growth by 30% a year or more. Renee is Sedesco and SEBTAC certified, and she's one of the world's few PASE recognized educators, and she proudly serves on the International Association of Applied Chronotherapy Educational Board. She personally swapped grooming services for corrective skincare the day she opened her appointment book and saw back-to-back appointments of sacks and cracks. Hence her motto, there's life after waxing. And you can find her at Renee.oh, you can find her at www.renesurbon.com. Also, ladies, wanted to let you know that she gave us a great quiz for y'all to take to learn about your skincare. And you can find that over on our podcast homepage, www.wellwomannetwork.com forward slash episode 42, if you want to take that quiz. She also was a guest blogger for us and wrote an article about winter skincare. And if you want to read that, you can head to wellwomannetwork.com forward slash winter skin. So just also wanted to let you know that next week is our continuation um, part two of setting a theme for the new year. So you're going to want to stay tuned and not miss that part two. And then I just want to let you know that this episode today is being brought to you by our 28 day um, Well Woman Network Shred, which is going to be taking place on January 28th. And we're going to just do four weeks to get you back on trap track. And we're going to talk to you about simple daily habits that are doable. This is an intro course, ladies. And if you've never taken a program with me and you'd like to get to know my teaching style or get to know me, then you're going to want to do this. It's $29.99. So doable. A dollar a day to learn how to move yourself from the back burner to the front burner with simple doable habits that I'm going to teach you about. So you can get that over. You can sign up at wellwomannetwork.com forward slash programs, forward slash 30 dash day dash thread, or go to our main website at wellwomannetwork.com, hit the programs button and the drop down, you'll see the 30 day shred and sign up so that you are all ready to go on January 28th. All right. So with no further ado, let's hop on into the episode, meet Renee and talk all things skincare. Well, women, it's time for a new perspective on women's health. A time to understand that your greatest wealth is your health. A time to make self-care your number one priority. A time to recognize that good health is the only way to live your best life and do all that you can in this world. So join me on this journey where we'll explore women's health topics from a medical provider's viewpoint, have conversations about everyday healthy lifestyle options, and enjoy interviews with other well women we can all learn from. It's time to demystify women's health 
and learn practical ways to apply self-care to every part of our lives. This is the Well Woman Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Broad, certified women's and adult nurse practitioner, daughter, wife, mother, and all-out women's health enthusiast. So you ready to start the journey? Let's go. All right, ladies, so we're back for another great episode. And again, we have another great treat today. We are interviewing Renee Serbonne, and she is an anesthetician and skincare expert. And I'm so excited to have her on the show because you know, I love skincare and I'm a you know big advocate of it. And we talk about it a lot in all of our media. So welcome, Renee. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm so excited about this podcast because I just love all the work that you do. And it is in such a beautiful synergy with the message that I want to bring to the world. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Yes, I totally love all the stuff that you're doing. And the video that you sent me on the skincare stuff, oh God, I was just like, (gasps) you know, it's just so funny because I'm one of these people, I'm an Aquarius. So I'm a dreamer And and I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, that's something that I could do. You know, I'm, I'm always chasing all these great things because I always find great things. And I'm like, oh, I can do that too, you know? So, yes. so, let me, so where are you today? What part of the world are you in today? I am in Penticton, British Columbia, just north of the border in Canada. So is it a nice day there? Today is actually beautiful. We had rain this morning, but the sun is shining and that is really great right now because we've just had so much smoke in the air from all the fires we've been having. So it's a relief to have some sunshine, which is just, yeah, just it warms your soul anyway. So I love it. It's, it's beautiful. I do live in paradise. So I'll preface that. People want to come and visit. They get very jealous. So yes, um, beautiful little corner of the world. Yeah, no, we've had our share of fires here too over the past several months. It's been crazy. Yesterday was 105 and this week is supposed to be in the 90s. And I'm like, okay, we did have a few, few, we had a few days there that it was really good. We were blessed with some cool weather and then, then it got hot again. And now we're back to hot, not as hot, but yeah. So it's like, yeah. And then we've had fires tremendously up in um, Big Bear. We've had fires up in Apple Valley, just all over the place, Idlewild. So I can hear you. It's tough, right? It has an effect on uh, both the psyche and the health of people around. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a long summer in that capacity over here, but that's okay. We've got beautiful, amazing people helping, helping people through the struggles, but you know, nature is a beast on its own. <laughs> I hear you with that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So I introduced you on the, on the beginning part, but tell us, you know, in your own words, I want you to explain to us what you do, who you are, your, your zone of genius, just so that the ladies get a better understanding just from your lips. Mm-hmm. So uh, today's day and age is a little bit different than it was even a few years ago, but I'll preface what I'm about to say by saying I do love remaining hands-on as much as I possibly can. Um, But today I work more likely with um, skincare professionals like clinic owners and solo estheticians who want to up their base knowledge about skin to bring a different level of service to their clients. And we address it in a very unorthodox way manner, I should say, Um, but also business growth. I just have um, a gift in matching medical to aesthetics and vice versa. So, and sometimes just 
simple things like clinic flow can make a big difference and end resulting in not missing any small details as far as the patient or the client is concerned. So having systems in place that we really gather all information to make the best skin and treatment recommendations for our clients. Okay, so you started off as an esthetician and you got involved in skin and you loved it. So then from there, you developed your own line. Yes, yeah, so I defaulted into, into education. So my passion is the anatomy, physiology of the skin and matching cosmetic chemistry to that. So if you say to me pigmentation, my brain thinks melanocyte and how is that melanocyte that makes our pigment behaving or misbehaving and how do we correct that if it's a problem for the individual so i've been teaching a lot in the in the skin analysis arena for many years now and from that i came across a skincare line that fits the methodology that we follow which i'll tell you about in a second um, and it's very hard to find something that truly truly fits into um, my approach to skin or our approach to skin i would say where it's not just me we're a broader group of people who love this philosophy. Um, and then also I've been a great advocate always or a strong advocate for really understanding what it is you're looking at. So people will tell you things about their skin, but you, you can only say what you know, and you can only assess with, the, with your eyes to a certain extent. When you're using an analytical equipment or diagnostic devices, it allows to bring that scientific edge in, and I'm a little bit of a science nerd myself. So when I really can filter what people have said and what I'm seeing with my naked eye and comparing that against metrics, because we can actually measure the skin, we can measure things like browns, reds, oil and water in the skin. So that tells me a lot about an individual. And then also using visual diagnostic devices that we can see underneath the skin quite clearly um, and we can see things like hidden pigmentation come up. I can spot people's redhead gene a mile away, um, sun exposure habits of a lifetime that pops up, vascularity. So when I really use those scientific devices to also take into an uh, analysis for a client, it gives me so much more information to make much better recommendations, not just for treatments, but also for skincare. And the funny thing is often it actually tells me what types of things I should not do for an individual because they might be higher risk than I visually initially anticipated they might be. So with the mixed genealogy that we have in today's world, people don't always know that they actually have a redhead gene laying under laying underneath the surface. But when you use the diagnostic devices, I can often detect that. And people who carry the red hair gene, just as an example, are higher risk for many treatment modalities out there. So it's wonderful information to have. And I think my mission is that things like that really should be an industry standard. And it's not at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more because I... I look for people like when I'm going to go get my skin done, which I don't, I, at all honesty, I don't go and get my skin done a lot because I haven't really found anybody that really does what you do. And you're, you're like me, you see, you go, okay, the brown spot, what's going on underneath the body and what's happening to bring that out. And so that's what I do. So it's kind of like the same thing. You know, you don't put a bandaid on it and most places, you know, are just bandaid orientated. Um, number one, they're not very, like they don't look at the individual and there's no individual treatment. It's like you have to use the products that they have on hand and that's it. So sometimes I bring my own stuff because I'm like, I don't want 
that stuff. I know this is what works on me. Yes. So I think it's so I think what you're talking about really should be in a lot of places, and hopefully that you know you can bring your mission, for, you know, to fruition. That it's in every skincare place that people learn and take this technology. Because I was looking at another vi- the video that you did where that you see the picture and you can see all the stuff that's going underneath, and I have seen that before, which I think it's a great thing because um, just like health, people don't get it. I mean, they see what's out here you know, and, but they don't see what's underneath. And when you show them a picture and they can see, oh my God, all that, like the sun damage or the spots that are underneath, they kind of really get it and they understand. So a picture is worth a thousand words. So true. So true. And you actually took the words out of my mouth. Like the band-aid solutions are short-lived, right? So when you truly understand the underlying cause of what it is that you seeing in skin or assessing in the skin, that's the only way that we get really long-term and sustainable results. I say it's a bit like weight loss. It can be slow and tedious to get to the end result because we live in a world that we wanted things yesterday. Nobody has patience these days. And I get that, but skin, it is the biggest organ. It is the barrier. Really, when the skin goes wrong, wrong, you are triggering the immune system. So it is worth taking a pause in time and doing it right and really making sure it's as healthy as it can be before you even take things further and address the things that you want things you want things you want like anti-aging anti-pigment but if the skin is not healthy to begin with we can't get that results in the skin anyway yeah i don't think that we talk about that enough about how to keep our skin healthy and we don't talk about it you know to our to our younger generation that's when it really has to start you know when we're younger i mean it's great to start now but if you start earlier then you get a jump on it and you can have great looking skin but you know so many of these things you know you just see go online and buy this and buy that. And you really don't know if what you're buying is truly what your skin needs. And sometimes you're spending a lot of money on stuff that really isn't doing anything. Because like you said, you know, the skin is out, is outside here. So talk to me because you told me to that, you know, that what's inside and that the gut matters, you know, when we just did a pod, I just did a podcast on the digestive system and stuff that goes on there. So yeah. how does inside play a factor on our outside? A huge factor. I was just at a big symposium. We call it um, the a symposium. It was the fifth symposium of applied corneotherapy. And corneotherapy is the science that I follow, which I'm sure I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But in essence, the gut has a direct correlation to skin. In fact, um, there's a gut brain skin connection, like the triangle is kind of in my mind how I think about it. And the better the gut health is, the better the skin health often reflects. Um, The whole topic of this particular symposium that I was very privileged to speak at was about the skin microbiome. And the gut microbiome was a link that we had guest speakers outside industry come and talk about um, gut health and how that actually reflects um, on skin. And diet is hugely important. Um, You know, we've had a few decades now of really low-fat diets that has really an interesting result on skin because skin health is reliant on oil and water. So you have to take things in nutritionally. There is obviously a metabolic process that goes on. And from that, the skin receives certain nutrients water and oil. So 
it can only give to the skin at the end of the day throughout the metabolic process as good as, good as it's gotten to begin with. Now, sure, some things you can assist with topical application and topical absorption, but if you don't have that foundation correct to begin with, then you're going to have a bigger struggle to get really good results as far as your skin is concerned, not even taking into consideration the body's health in itself. Um, which is a whole different topic um, on its own, as you would know. Um, but yes, it definitely has a direct correlation. And, you know, your I call it the, the beautiful bugs on the skin is really important, just as it is really important for your gut as well. So the gut health and skin health, absolutely a very tight correlation of each other. Yeah, because they were talking about like, especially you mentioned the low fat diets. Those aren't even good. I mean, always good for your health either because you need some fats, okay? Fats, mm -hmm. cholesterol is what breaks down all of our hormones. And when you cut that out, you're cutting down a lot of processes that the body uses that for. And, yes. you, and you do need oils, you do need water. And people are not, as you know, they don't drink a lot of water to begin with, not as much as they should because we are like over 70% water. That's so right. That's a, you know, that's a good thing too. So yes, I definitely agree with that. So now I want to know, talk to me about, you know, I know you pioneered this chronotherapy. So number one, what is it and how do, how does it apply to our skin? Yes. So corneotherapy is a very interesting science. It, uh, it has been around actually since the 1960 and the founder of it was Professor Glickman, who was an American dermatologist and he did phenomenal work in which he proved that the basic application of a water and oil emulsion essentially on the skin can bring sustainable results for skin correction particularly where there is a skin barrier dysfunction. So conditions that would manifest as a result of that are things like um, psoriasis, ichiosis, xerosis, eczema, those types of skin conditions. So by just putting on a cream that has good water and oil, essentially really brought about results that were similar to that of um, pharmaceutical drugs. So at the time, it was really kind of, you know, shelved or sh sweeped under the carpet, so to say, because what is the unique upselling point of a water and oil solution? But it is the foundation of what constitutes a healthy skin. And his studies were just amazing and resurfaced in about um, 2011, I would say, is really when cornea therapy resurged and got really much more noticed in the, um, in the skin industry. So now we have a movement behind it called the cornea therapy. Um, there's a whole association um, now that supports the principles of cornea therapy um, and one that I'm really honored to serve on the educational board for as well. So in a nutshell, total lamest terms, <laughs> because it can, I can get all nerdy on it, but I won't. I shall restrict myself and say that the underlying foundation of corneal therapy is keeping the epidermis intact at all times. So what does that mean? That means that we don't go scrub, blast, and peel the surface of the skin off as a first option. We always kind of want to maintain the integrity of the epidermis, protect it, kind of like putting a tarp over a roof you know, that is leaking to prevent the storm water coming through the shingles. So we tarp it really and protect the roof and then fix from the inside out. Okay. Does that so, make sense? So it's a method 
Sorry, carry on. No, no, that makes total sense because you have to protect it. You know, you don't want to like get rid of it and hurt it. So, okay. So then tell me when you're talking about that, you don't want to blast it. You don't want to scrub it. or So we're talking about exfoliation, right? Yes. So why, why don't we want to do that? Because that's where you, that's what you hear all the time. You hear, you know, go get a microdermabrasion. You get, you hear scrubs, you hear acid peels, um, you know, where they're burning off your skin and you have to sit with all this Vaseline on there for days, you know, to rejuvenate and build up. And now the big thing is, um, I don't know if I'm sure that you have heard about, you know, like the vampire facial yes. where you're going and using prolotherapy and all those different types of things like that. So talk to me a little bit about all that. Okay, so um, this gets me all excited because this is where I truly feel like a rebel when I'm normally a rule follower. But in this capacity, I'm a total rebel and I own it. (laughs) So so in a slightly more scientific manner of thinking is that your skin is is a barrier from your inside world to the outside, right? It protects you from the outside elements. Now, in my mind, I think, that there's basically five levels of skin protection. Your corneocyte, which is the outermost layer of your epidermis, is one of them. Actually, you start with the acid mantle, which is that invisible film that comes from water and oil. That's why water and oil is so important. Second is the corneocyte. So you imagine if you're exfoliating, and we do refer to it as the epidemic of over-exfoliation in today's society, If you take an exfoliator to your skin, you have automatically just removed the first two barriers out of five of skin barrier protection. You are 40% down in protection. The next is what we call the multilamellar structure, which is like the juicy contents between your skin cells. I call it like the glue or the, or the mortar between the bricks of the cells, if you want to imagine it like a brick wall as an, a barrier you know, protection. Um, and then you do have the melanocyte, and then you have Langerhang cells in there as well. So that's huge. Just a, a simple act of exfoliating can remove... 20% or 40% of skin barrier protection. Now, if you happen to have a relatively healthy skin, it's not the biggest concern because your skin rejuvenates and it will repair itself really quickly. That is for people who have a more delicate type of skin or who are already compromised that when they're exfoliating, that it becomes a real big problem because they're just opening themselves up for more allergens and pathogens entering the skin, causing mayhem, causing an inflammatory reaction for the skin, um, which is the first thing of a cascade of events that could go wrong after that if you don't address it. So um, it's also an unnecessary step because actually focusing on the skin nutrients and giving your skin what it requires for lunch on a daily basis, you can regulate cell turnover efficiently that way. So we're not saying never exfoliate, but you should know when to do it, when not to do it, and how frequently to do it. So in my world, really, there are people who could uh, exfoliate quite frequently. Like my skin, I could probably tolerate a once a week exfoliation. Your skin, for example, I would do probably not more than once every two weeks. So so tell me, I don't mean to interrupt you. When you say, okay, exfoliation, tell me, like for me, what would that be like, a scrub? 
Yes, which is typically a scrub that people do at, on a home basis, most typically. Then you also have things like your laser resurfacing treatments, as an example, microdermabrasion. Microdermabrasion is a very uh, interesting topic. It's a, I love it and I hate it. <laughs> um, yes, it gives you that beautiful, smooth surface feeling, but it's very short-lived and it is used to say, like the marketing around it will say, oh, it will help with, um, you know, decreasing pores and it helps with pigmentation. Well, yes, it helps with the appearance of pigmentation because you've just taken off the top layer of the skin, which means you've taken off some cells that contain that pigment. So it's a visual illusion, if you will that will just come back. So you've by no means permanently addressed that pigmentation anyway. So it's not really a modality that is targeting the melanocyte to address the pigmentation adequately. Um, sure, depending on what microdermabrasion machine you use, um, some of it has a bit of suction and that can increase microcirculation. And anytime you do that, you're going to have like a little plump effect on the skin and it looks good, feels nice the next day and it's over in two weeks. Um, so uh, uh, the flip side of that is if you're more vascular, especially with a redhead gene potentially, um, then you can create more of that for yourself. And aggressive scrubs at home can also do the same. It can increase your vascularity because you can damage the skin in the process if done inadequately. Um, and your resurfacing treatments has its time and place, like laser resurfacing treatments. My age group, even like I am just south of 40, I'm 37 right now. So my age group, I would think twice about having it at this juncture because I'm also what we call a Fitzpatrick skin type three. So I have an ability to tan. So having such treatments makes me more photosensitive and puts me at risk for developing pigmentation. Um, and it also creates heat. So heat shock protein is, um, or heat shock collagen is what we can get as an end result of it. And at, you know, after a certain point, any collagen is, could be argued good collagen, but when you're very young, the wrong type of collagen can look very unnatural. So there's a lot of things to take into place, uh, to take into consideration when choosing your, um, your treatment. Now, the only thing that I would say that sometimes it's a really good choice earlier is in the case of certain scarring and so forth and who the practitioner is. If they're doing everything to really build your skin up before treatment and really hit the recovery so that you're recovering perfectly well after the treatment, that is great. That's the type of person that you want to find if you're considering these types of treatments. So we're not saying never have it, you just need to know a little bit more about choosing the modality and the practitioner. Okay, so let's talk about too, um, microneedling. Yes. So talk to me about that because you know that is huge now, and the whole thing, like when we're talking about collagen for like in my age group, yes. or like in our you know forty-five and moving on, you know moving up, even you know, maybe some people younger do too, is that with the microneedling and that we hear the vampire facials and stuff, mm -hmm. it's to cause inflammation so that the skin heals in order to build up the collagen because you know we lose collagen as we get older mm -hmm. absolutely so which is the you know when we can find that tap that we can turn on and get it that person who figures that out oh my goodness rock star material forevermore so yes i love microneedling or um, also called collagen induction therapy so um, pretty much what it is, is different ways. You can either have a, a manual roller that has tiny little needles around it that you roll over the skin and then 
there's, there's a two-phase process to it. The actual motion of doing it triggers the fibroblast to make collagen and elastin. Awesome. That's what we want. We're literally poking the skin with a sharp stick to tell it, hey, make more collagen. Love that. And then because you have these little micro channels through the skin, you have a window of opportunity to get certain ingredients into the deeper layers of your skin. So better penetration of the products that you're using. Now that makes you really think about what it is you're going to put on your skin to begin with. You must be on really good skincare. If you're going to do that, you cannot have it filled with preservatives and fragrances and things like that because you will have a negative effect then. However, if you're using the right type of products, it is a, it's a win-win. The other thing I like about dermal needling, it's very much like a fraxel um, treatment, like a fractionated laser treatment. However, it is minus the heat association with it. So it, you can do it on darker skin tones as well, which is wonderful. Um, and it doesn't make you so photosensitive. You're eliminating that photosensitivity because you don't have the heat shock associated with it. Um, so I love dermal needling. And there's two ways. There's a medical version and a home care version. The home care version, you can do very frequently at home um, to you know, help stimulate the skin, help with the absorption of, um, uh, of products into the skin, et cetera. And then your medical one is where you would have deeper channeling. That is more like your total anti-aging um, treatment. And you can do it to treat a um, certain level of scarring as well. And I do know some plastic surgeons who do it very fast after um, uh, uh, facelift. So because I don't know, for people who've had facelifts, you often you can move a little bit of mobility. So that really helps... The wound healing to happen faster. Um, it's a beautiful modality and low risk. It is still better to consider doing it in winter because in sun, your skin creates an enzyme that is called collagenase and collagenase can break down collagen. So if you want to get more bang for your buck, so to say, I would recommend doing it in cooler, um, less sun exposure months. Okay. So then my, okay. So I have a question to ask then, since you're the skin expert here, <laughs> if as we get older, if we are like decreasing in our collagen production naturally, okay. And we go and we do this, if you don't have it in your system or in getting the microneedling done, is it going, does it automatically build up the collagen or do we need to be like taking a collagen supplement or some form of collagen back in our body to help that? Yes. Um, do you know, it's a very controversial space in my frame of reference about the collagen um, supplementation, um, whether that is truly beneficial to reflect visually as an anti-aging um, uh, end result. Um, I don't, the good news is that it's not going to do any harm. And the collagen has many other benefits for the body anyway, if you're taking it orally as well. So it is the building blocks of many um, supportive structures um, related to skin. So I think it's, a good, it's not a negative to take supplementally as well. I still think that for skin to see the anti-aging that you're best served by taking action, doing topical anti-aging at the same time, just taking the supplements alone, I don't think is going to bring that wow factor that you're going to go, yes, this supplement really made me look you know, five years younger. Um, it really is a, is a combination of the two. Again, that gut-skin um, correlation. Yeah, I would, I would agree too, because the only, the reason that I asked that is because, um, well, I'm a vegan and, mm -hmm. you know, collagen, you know, comes from animals, so I don't really do it. And there's not really, you know, a great support that you can find 
that's on the vegan side that matches kind of like, you know, bone broth and all those other kind of things where you get the collagen or even a collagen supplement. So, you know, I'm for, you know, I'm more of the whole food eating clean and just, you know, feeding our body the stuff that it needs. And I want top and I put topical, I'd rather have it, you know, right here infused in here and have it work there. So that's why I was just asking, because, you know, I've done a lot of research on the collagen supplementation too. And it takes, you know, people think that, okay, if I start just taking it today, Oh, I'm going to see results tomorrow. Well, it doesn't work like that in the supplement form. You know, it it takes time down the road for a supplement to even start working and for you to see those results. And like you said, I think the problem with today is, and it's in all avenues, you know, we lump everybody together and it's like, we talked about this band-aid, this cookie cutter approach and people read, you know, are they Dr. Oz or whoever says, okay, this is great. So everybody goes out and starts taking it or Dr. Axe and nothing to put them down because I like all of them too. And I follow them, yes. but it's just like you said, we're all individuals. And that's what I try to, you know, talk about so much on the podcast and on the stuff that I blog about and, and in the membership is that we are all individuals and you have to go at your own stuff individually. You can't look at your friend and say, okay, well, she's doing that, even though you might be the same age, because your genes are different than her genes and what your body is going to process is different than hers. So, you know, if the more that, like you said, and I love it so much, the more that we can look at, take an individual approach, both to our healthcare and to our skincare, that's going to be, we're going to be so much better off, you know, because like you said, you know, you're 37, you know, I'm 50. What we're going to need for our bodies are completely different. You know, you have different skin type genes than I do. So I, I so much love that you're talking about this one-on-one approach and this, um, you know, individual approach, because that's really, to me, I think where it needs to be. And if you're going to, if I'm going to pay money, or I think if anybody's going to pay money, I want to pay for the individual approach. I don't want to pay for the cookie cutter approach because, you know, out in mainstream, people don't get that when they're advertising a product, it has to be suitable for everybody. Okay. So it really cannot be specifically made just for one person. So it has to be Absolutely. spectrum, right? That, that's exactly it. So you tend then to get slightly lower potency in the formulations as well, because otherwise we'd all be walking around with skin reactions. So I love that. So I really take everything about the person into consideration. So you've just told me a few things that you're 50, that you're vegan. So my head already goes to a space where I am, from a skincare point of view, going to have to watch your essential fatty acids skin all the time because of your lifestyle choice there, which is not negative or positive, but it's actually quite positive. But you do know that, and that, that you're at risk of missing a few nutrient cornerstones. So essential fatty acids. So I would really be looking at the omega supplementations that you're taking. Um, omega three in particular is where I would be focused because your food intake, you know, and, and the vegetables and so forth that you're eating, you can probably get ample amounts of three. Um, but definitely I would be focusing on three uh, on omega three for you. Sorry. And food, you'll get um, six quite easily available in food. So I'd be upping your supplementation of omega three. I love the collagen idea for you, a broad spectrum um, um, a multivitamin. Um, but I will also be focusing on adding more lipid content into your creams for you because I'm going to take an educated guess that you're probably battling on the drier side most of the time. And then within that, I want to take things, put things into consideration that is going to build your, um, 
your skin structure. So we call it a loss of structural integrity as we age. It's a nicer way of saying aging. <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at ways to boost that collagen and support that, that structural integrity for you most adequately with ingredients such as um, vitamin A, vitamin C is a great one. Um, you know, and then I will ask this question because I'm just from what I know about you, your videos that I've seen, etc., I have a question you can choose to ask to answer or not. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you have Scottish, Irish, Welsh, or English heritage in your genetic makeup at all? Well, my dad was Jewish. Yes. So probably, yeah, I probably do. And I, and you're, and you're right. You know, I have blue, I have blue eyes because well, you can see that. And I have battled the dryness even when I was younger. I mean, and I do, and I do take omega fatty acids every single day, multiple times. I do it in my protein drinks. I take a supplement for it too. And you know, like I, sometimes I could, my husband, I said, I could, I could dive into a bathtub of oil and still yeah. come out dry. My daughter has the same thing. Um, you know, I've checked my thyroid. I've always thought that I was hypothyroid, but I'm not. I actually borderline more on the hyper with my number range, but I don't always feel, but I don't always feel that way. Um, and I've been doing really, I put, I put, I've been taking care of my skin since I was young, just because my mom told me that I don't go out in the sun because right. I burn and I never tan. So once I learned that I don't tan, why bother going and doing it? So I've never <laughs> exactly. done it. I don't like sitting out there and baking anyways. And I've been putting, um, you know, cream and just really doing a lot of oils and essential oils on my face. I don't do fragrances just because uh, another thing that I'll let you know too is the reason that I am partly the reason that I'm vegan. I was vegetarian before, but I went vegan because I really have, I suffer from eczema really bad. And ah. I was going through a really bad period where I had it on my face and it was in my scalp and everything. And I was doing all good things and I couldn't figure out why. So I took a huge food allergy panel that one of my girlfriends who's a chiropractic does, and it's a lot more in depth than the regular ones that you get at the doctor's office. And the things that I came back with that were, I was highly, you know, you know, that were inflaming from the inside that I was sensitive to, I just kind of cut out. And egg was, egg was one of them. So oh. I had, I, I've never liked dairy since I was young. So once the egg thing was there, it was like, kind of like, okay, well, that's where you go the vegan route. And then I just kind of don't do gluten a lot because my gut doesn't handle it. Yes. So I try to be healthy, you know, in those, in those respects. But I, like, and I tell my daughter, you know, I started her young, taking care of her skin and putting, you know, keeping it, you know, nice oils on her face, those type of things, keep it moisturized. But I fight with that. So, you know, I've always fought with that. Yeah, well, you have a, a thinner skin structure genetically than I do, for example. So this is where I say to people, let's think about laundry. And as women here, like, you know, we, we totally can think about sewing and so forth. You have a silk garment and you should launder your skin accordingly. I have a cotton silk mix um, and luckily not a rhinoceros hide. But um, if you have a rhinoceros hide, you're going to, you know, you care for it very differently than you do a silk garment. So that's kind of the way that I like to, people to think about their skin is like what type of fabric their skin is and the nip and the weave between it. You can think of that as your collagen and elastin is how strong or not the skin um, at its basis is with the exception that you're not doomed because any type of garment can be adequately supported by what, what you focus on underneath it. Um, but it's just how it portrays. I'm never going to have a porcelain skin because I'm more on the cotton side where if you look after your skin while you will age looking like porcelain. Um, the uh, celebrity that comes to mind that has like porcelain skin is like Nicole Kidman. 
very finer weave of skin, right? Um, so that's really important. And then the second thing is um, don't treat your skin like the kitchen floor. If it's squeak, like if it squeaks after you've cleansed it, you've stripped your skin of essential fatty acids. That is not a good thing. So skin should not squeak after you've cleansed it. It's not the kitchen floor. It's a living organ. <laughs> so delicate cleansers. And 95% of clients that I see should be using a a milk or cream-based cleanser, not a foaming one. Um, and even when you're oily, you shouldn't remove oil necessarily. It's about the quality of it and how that intermixes of the water of the skin. And if your water and the oil mixes through the skin and enzymes does that within the skin, um, then you have a film distribution that's even and it's not just sitting in your T-zone being sticky and tacky. So oil is a great benefit for skin and ages really well. So embrace it. Don't try and scrub it off because you're creating more problems. Um, but think about the viscosity. I'm improving the viscosity and the quality of that. And you do that by focusing on the water intake. Okay, cool. cool. So what I want to know too is a basic... I know that we, you know, we're talking basics here again, not the cookie yeah. kind of thing. But like when somebody's in their 30s, their 40s or 50s, what are some basic things that we can all do across the board that will help us maintain our skin moisture, maintain our, you know, our elasticity or that are really good for us that no matter what our, you know, whether we, you know, equivalent out that we don't smoke and that we don't drink a lot, that we're kind of like on the healthier side. So tell me about that. Yes. So I think definitely in the thirties, um, it's an interesting point of view. As far as skin goes, unfortunately, you're already what I refer to as mature because 80% of sun damage occurs in the first 20 years of life. So this is where you really want to come and nourish the skin. And I almost want to use the word nurture, but you've you got to be kind and gentle and focus on giving those basic building blocks of nutrients. So good oil-soluble vitamins, and um, you really want to bring in the artillery that is going to start to help with a good anti-aging regime. The, you really want to start at just sub-30, in fact, but you know, then it's never too late. So um, definitely want to focus higher on um, sun protection because in my experience, from what I hear with my clients, I'm not on the other end of the age scale yet, but um, you know, the 30s is like you have children, you're out on the beach running behind them at the soccer field, all these types of things. Um, so you really got to be thinking how you're protecting your skin when you're busy doing all these different activities, um, especially with children, because I know as a, as a mom of young kids, uh, my kids, I don't miss a beat. They're sun protected from top to toe. And then I'm standing there and realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to put my own sun protection on, but you'll never find me without a hat. So it's all good. Um, but yeah, it's just being more, um, making sure you're doing that self-care as well and really building those good habits and also building good habits for your children. And the forties is where you're really wanting to go to a little bit of a heavy artillery of ingredients. So you really should, if you're not already there, be doing your vitamin A's, B's, C's, um, vitamin E, even the really good fun, fundamental blocks for the things called collagen and elastin that constitutes anti-aging. 
Um, you want to be thinking about treatments. Um, I kind of think LED is really great in your 30s. Um, so is um, col uh, the collagen induction therapy. But you need you can do get away from more superficial um, treatment. You get different depths of needles like collagen induction therapy. So shorter needles in your 30s, and the older you get, the longer the needles got to get. <laughs> um, so when you're in your 40s, really like collagen induction therapy. I love um, uh, LED as a supportive treatment microcurrent. They're like my non ablative kind of go-to services. And then in your 50s, um, you, you kind of want to do the same arsenal of things. The thing that changes as you go as you get older is the oil content because when you hit menopause, for example, you lose oil production because estrogen drops and with that kind of your lipid content of your skin tends to drop as well. So you're going to move into richer creams typically, um, the heavier on the oil side. Um, it doesn't have to feel heavy. I just want to say that having oil in your skincare doesn't mean it has to have weight to it. Um, so it doesn't have to feel heavy. And your frequency of when, of how often you do things, if you're doing services, will become shorter. You have to do it more frequently to stimulate the skin a little bit more. But the good news is 70% of an end result is really what you do at home on a daily basis. Any clinic will add about 30% to the equation of an end result. But if you're not doing the basics at home on a daily basis, don't waste your money on high-end treatments. Okay, so tell me, what are, those, what are those things that we can be doing at home to, to enhance if we're going and do those things? Yes, so basic good skincare line, cleanse, tone, moisturize, eye cream. They're my four, I call it the foundational products. In my world, your, your moisturizer will also be custom blended, so you will kind of have your serum put into your, um, into your moisturizer in my world. Or if you really want everything, including the kitchen sink, I can actually give you a custom blended serum that you can put underneath your moisturizer. So it doesn't have to be complicated is what I'm trying to say. You can get away by doing it with four steps. If you want to do more, great. So no, mm -hmm. but why, I don't mean to interrupt you. When, in those four steps, tell me about toner. Why is toner? Because I've never really understood that. Yes, great question. I love that. So toner is... Um, the, it depends on the cosmetic house that, you know, the product that you're using. So in my world, we do have some toners that actually facilitate a specific outcome. They're a specialty toner, if you will. So some of the toners will help turn over skin cells. They will accelerate cell turnover very effectively. So that's one bonus if, if there's a specialty reason behind using a toner. But in general, a toner is kind of like... Um, preparing your skin cells so that it can absorb the active component of your regime more effectively. I describe it like taking a sponge. And if you're, if you're standing in the shower and you have your sponge and you have your shower gel, you're going to have to put a lot of shower gel on that sponge to get it the action that you want to actually cleanse your body. But if you put it under the shower first, and then you just need a drop off your shower gel to get that exact same action. So that is what a toner does. It preps your skin cell to absorb the actives that typically is applied after toning onto your skin. So you get better penetration of your products and your products go a lot further. 
Okay, cool. I just, I, I never really like, thank you. Cause I didn't understand that. I've never, I've honestly, I've never really used a toner, but I think I'm going to start now. <laughs> yes. You will love it when you get into it. it. It really makes a difference. And some like we have depanthenol in the toner that I use. So depanthenol like, is, like piggybacks other active ingredients that is applied after it into the deeper layers of the skin. So then tell me too, okay, you know, there's a thing out there. They say that if you don't, if you miss one night of washing your face, it's like it's adding on so many years of aging. So is it important that we wash our face every night and every morning or how is the regimen of, of doing a of washing our face? I mean, is it good to sleep with makeup on or no? No, <laughs> never. So I kind of tell people if you have to skip one, skip the morning, cleanse at night, no matter what. Um, but real life happens. And one day, let's be real, nobody has died from one day of skipping it, but don't make it a habit. The other reason that we really encourage cleansing and moisturizing at night is because like your body, the skin repairs, recovers, rejuvenates while you're sleeping. So it's really important if you're not taking that time to do it at night, you're missing a huge opportunity for your skin to just recalibrate essentially. Um, yeah, so why wouldn't you take advantage of that? It's, it's so essential. And yeah, if you need to skip one, do it in the morning because you've slept. And, but you have to wash off the dust of daily life, dirt, dust, and debris, I say. Um, it's really important to do that at night, and your skin results will be a lot better. So, okay, too, there's one other thing, too, because I'm, you know, I'm thinking about those microneedling things. Yes. So you said, so you said okay, so I, because I like our women to be informed, so I want them to know. Mm -hmm. So if they were going to go get one, depending on our age, you said that we, we should ask the, our clinician about the type of needle, like the, the length of it. So, so, the, we... so the length of the needle will be decided by your practitioner. And it is different if you want just anti-aging, like a 0.5 millimeter needle. I know that you're in America, so millimeters doesn't work for you, but that's how they measured, okay? Um, that is That constitutes an, an, a medical level of service and it is anti-aging because it does it, it can produce a little bit of bleeding in the skin and it definitely reaches the fibroblasts to make the collagen any, uh, collagen any elastin. If there is scar tissue like acne scarring, for example, you, then you're looking at a minimum of a one millimeter treatment because you actually have to break through the scar tissue so what you're doing is you're breaking up the scar tissue, allowing for the collagen to come and heal the skin again the way it should have done to begin with. So um, the bigger the problem, the longer the needle, essentially. But most people are very good at a, at a 0.5 millimeter clinical treatment. And then at home, your option is typically a 0.2 millimeter. Some uh, companies have a 0.3 available. So 0.3 is if you have access to that, it's great. Go for 0.3 if you're 30 plus. Okay. So too, now I want to talk about acne because, um, you know, a lot of the younger girls, my daughter's younger, they all in their crowd, they all have acne in their twenties. And sometimes, you know, postmenopausal or even after in our, you know, childbearing age, we have acne that just comes about because our hormones change. So tell me about, okay. So number one, you read all the time that they talk about sometimes it's here, but depending on which camp you're in. Yes. It's diet, okay, or it's chocolate, or, you know, some people say that acne is diabetes in the face, it's the sugar content, it's, you know, or if you have acne, you shouldn't put oil on it, or you should, you know, I know that my son suffered with it for a long time when he was younger, so tell me a little bit about that too. 
Okay, so acne is a multifaceted skin condition that does not discriminate against age. Anybody can get it. Even if you never had it through your life, you might hit a certain hormonal age. I find typically about 35, we have a mini hormonal shift and we often find that women just and men get acne all of a sudden when they've never had a history of it. So there is a difference between cyclical acne and other acne, and there's many different levels of acne. So it's, it's kind of complex, but when you're really looking at the basics of it, I think the first thing people do wrong is think that automatically that it's associated with oil. And it's not. It's actually a texture and secretion skin condition. Now, in adolescence, it can be related to, um, to a sudden surge of a production of oil. And again, it would be because um, the oil quantity is uh, often too much, but the quantity is easy to handle. But if the quality is like deep fryer oil instead of olive oil, then you're going to have blockages and therefore uh, pustules and comedones anyway. So I really don't take the oil away. I actually encourage the improvement of the quality of the oil. And then you really see a big change in the acne. I can see a difference in two weeks in my clients. If you just sometimes take the stuff they're using um, on their skin away. Um, foaming cleansers is very dangerous for an acneic skin because um, people then strip the skin like the kitchen floor. And um, on the surface of the skin, there's a bacteria called the P bacteria, and it relies on essential fatty acids. Um, and when it's on the surface, it actually is in our benefit. But when we strip the skin of the oil, the P bacteria is an anaerobic bacteria, so it will go down into the hair follicles, and there it will convert oils, uh, what we call triglycerides, into essential fat, uh, into free fatty acids. But inside of the hair follicle, it's supposed to be a pH neutral environment. And that is where I immediately know that people are, are using a product that strips their skin of oil because they have so much inflammation in their skin that comes with it. So what do I do from a clinical point of view? I take people's cleansers off them typically and literally throw it in the garbage can. I give them omega supplements to take and a cream-based cleanser. And it's a mental hurdle to jump over because people think that it's not, now their skin is not clean, but creams and milks can certainly clean your skin. So, and then the, uh, the other equation of that is putting like a specialty toner, for example, or considering enzymatic treatments that help to turn over skin cells because you typically have a buildup of cells on the skin that is blocking the... Um, the, the pores, and that's where you're getting um, the pustules and the open and closed comedones, so pimples and blackheads um, as an end result. In older times, like um, it's often related to a, a surge in stress. Like if you're having like the hormonal thing, so people will often have like a, a stressful episode and they'll have a breakout. And when that is over, you get the skin clearing. Um, so I really try to put a pause on that if I know it's or it's or it's a just a cyclical or a life event that's happened, and just focus on the health of the overall skin rather than classifying someone as acneic, which really is a temporary condition often. Okay, cool. So then, you know, while I have you, I'm asking you all these questions. Go for gold. <laughs> so, okay, go. Let's go to like popping pimples. I mean, is should we should we leave them alone? Should we pick our face? Should we put be putting those strips on our nose to get rid of blackheads? You know, all that kind of stuff. Is that good for the skin? 
So the strips on the nose is, uh, if you have a special event, it's something I'm okay with for a special event to just, you know, have that smooth complexion that you're talking about. Again, it is probably the quality that um, the deep fryer kind of oil sitting around the area that then oxidizes and then you have the blackheads occurring. So improving the quality of your skincare 90% of the time really actually re resolves that very adequately. It doesn't take one day. It takes about six weeks. Okay. Um, so so yes and no. Um, if you're skilled at popping pimples, then some people do it really well. But the bigger problem with acne, especially when we're talking about acne grade three, when you really have a mixture of like blackheads, closed comedones, and also pustules, is the scarring and secondary infection that comes from wrong extractions. So I really am a fan of having it professionally done if there's a multitude of it but if there is one um you know nobody is going to leave one and one alone so i kind of look at life as like what is the reality of what my clients would actually do what i ask them versus you know the things they can't resist so it doesn't really so i might as well at times assist people with doing it right rather than saying no no so if there's one or two if you can count them on one hand and you know how to do it right okay will let you have a go at one or two. But if there's more than one hand full of pustules or large blackheads, no, see a professional. Okay, cool. So that's great news. Well, I have so enjoyed talking to you and I want to know, just leave us, okay, first of all, I ask everybody, what's your self-care routine? What do you do for your self-care? And then tell us, you know, leave us with the last word of what is one thing that, you know, you want us to go do to help our skin every single day that's vital? Okay. Um, what do I do? In terms of skin, I have a very basic routine because I have an 18-month and a 5-year-old, or actually 20-month-old now, 20-month and a 5-year-old. So it has to be simple. Otherwise, I don't do it. I live in the real world. So I have a cleanser, a toner, an eye cream, and a moisturizer that I do morning and night and once a week, typically on a Friday. It's Renee's evening. Um, I use a exfoliator. Oh, I know. I use one that is in a bioidentical base with jojoba beads. So very soft and gentle. And then after that, I put a multivitamin mask on my skin that's a cream base and I go to sleep in it. And then the next morning I just wash it off. So how easy is that? Um, yes. And I have a ritual that I have a day a week that I do my weekly regime and part of my skincare regime. And I just love that. Um, Yes. And as the one thing that I want people to do is reconsider, it's actually two, reconsider your exfoliator. Do you really need it? And probably you can get away with using it way less frequently and really consider the skincare that you're using. I am a great advocate of things that mimic your natural skin. So bioidentical, biomimicking, biodegradable. And if you can have it customized, really amazing because guess what? Your skin has different needs in summer than it has in winter. So using the same thing winter and summer, year in, year out, is not doing your skin service. You need to work with someone who can switch things up for you a little bit because your skin does not stay the same all the time. 
Oh, that's great. That's good to know. That's what we were talking about the other day. I said, you need to do a detox twice a year, spring, you know, fall, winter, kind of get rid of all that kind of stuff. So where can they find you? And I know that you are going to, you're talking to me about a quiz. So tell us a little bit about that. And we'll put that up on this, on the site too, so they can go take that. And then um, can they come to you and get, can they order products or where can they go to get your stuff? Perfect. So my uh, Instagram handle is at Renee Serbon, R-E-N-E, just one E, Serbon, S-E-R-B-O-N. And I'm on Facebook. You can find me as Renee Serbon Skin Expert. I hang out on Facebook a little bit more frequently than Instagram. I will admit that. And then the skin quiz is really interesting. What we do is there is a basic thing you need to do for the skin type you were born with. Okay. So that is going to tell you whether you need a foaming cleanser or a milk-based cleanser, for example. Do you have the, the redhead gene, the silk or the cotton? So the quiz that we have kind of just answers that for you. You're one of four skin types essentially, and it's not what people think. You're either lipid dry, meaning not enough oil. You are oily, meaning too much oil. You are diffused redness. People who are born with rosy cheeks will have rosy cheeks for their life. There's no such thing as sensitive skin because nobody's born sensitive, okay? And the other condition that you might, or skin type you might be is a high-risk skin type, okay? So you're only one of four, and diffused redness and high risk is kind of treated the same as well because they're, they're high risk anyway. So things like aging, pigmentation, their skin conditions, they're not your basic skin type. So there's things you need to do on a daily basis to take care of the skin that you were born with and keep that healthy. The other stuff is things that happen by lifestyle choices, etc. cetera, um, over a lifetime and their conditions. So they're what we use in active components like your serums, for example, so is fixed with that. But the basic ins and outs of what you need to do on a daily basis is dictated by your skin type. So the quiz is going to tell you what your skin type is and what it is that you should be doing on a daily basis or avoiding on a daily basis in the skincare formula um, to serve your skin type best. Oh, see, that's great because that helps people out a lot because I'm one of those people, I want to know, like, if I go to somebody like that's like my local an esthetician or something, what am I supposed to be doing so I can help? I think, you know, what it is, is I think we, there needs to be a, a 50-50 and I talk about this in your health too. And the more we're educated and that we can go talk to somebody else who's educated and we can go and say, well, this is, you know, this is what I need then, and we can figure it out together. I think that's great. And when you have the power to walk in and say, Hey, this is my skin type. This is kind of the things that I'm doing. I think you have a better result because we're so used to just walking in and not having, and that's the problem, but that's the thing. We don't have the knowledge. So we just walk in and we're letting anybody tell us, you know, okay, well, this is what you need to do. And if you go see, you know, three different people, they're all going to tell you something different because that's what they do. So I think if we all have a basic understanding of our bodies, that's what we're trying to do here on the podcast is educate you and give you knowledge on your basic understanding of your body, your skin type, then you have more knowledge when you walk into that person getting your skincare done to say, no, I don't want to use that kind of product on here. I need to use this. And this is why, you know, because I'm educating myself. And I think that that's great. And it makes you part of that whole process. 
Yes, I think um, the power is in education and the power is knowledge. So I'm a big fan of giving my clients as much knowledge as they desire. Even sometimes if I throw a bit of technical stuff at them, they're going to tell me when they don't want to know that. But I would tell anybody whatever they want to know because knowledge is power. Yeah, that's great. So I thank you so much for being here. I've learned so much. I wish that you lived closer. (laughs) I'll I'll come to you all the time, but you know. We'll find you someone in the neck of the woods. I was just going to add to that. If if you're not near me, then you can always contact me and I can hook you up with some awesome people in your area. I have a a good network that's ever expanding. So yes, um, we'll hook you up with the right people. Good. Get out there and teach everybody so that we can, and we can help you spread the word because this is fascinating. And I think, you know, I think I just, I'm so into individual stuff. It's not even funny. So I thank you so much for coming on and um, we'll get, we'll put every, we'll put that quiz out there so people can take it and we'll go from there. So now you have it, you know, so much about your skin today, ladies, more than you knew when we first started the podcast, she gave you some great things to do on a daily basis. And if you want to ask her some other questions, you know, hook up with her on Facebook or on Instagram. Instagram. I'm sure she'd be happy to answer some questions if you had that to direct you in the way you need to go and start taking the power back and start taking care of this because it's, you know, like she said, it's, you know, it's all over. It's our first barrier. It's everything. So take care of it today. All right. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye for now.